Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is, what is today? Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday, December 22nd. Um, the days run together when you got kids at home on Christmas break. Uh, this is Mind Your Banners, as you can imagine. Uh, what will in all likelihood be the last Mind Your Banners uh, of the calendar year. I'm going to be off all next week, so unless the, the roof falls in on something for some reason, this will be it. With me, Tyler Tackman. And uh, Tyler, we're going to start with... Um, we're going to start we're going to start with Kansas. Um, we're going to talk a fair bit about Kansas and then we'll kind of package Elon and Kennesaw State and just sort of the wider idea of where Indiana is going to be in all likelihood heading into the new year uh, toward the end. But um, you and I are both at Kansas. Ugly day for Indiana in, in you know, pretty much any way imaginable. I mean, there really wasn't a there wasn't necessarily anything particularly good. Um you know, I mean, Jalen Hujafino scored 11 points on his return, but he was two of 11 from the floor with five turnovers. Um, th- you know, this was just – it was the worst we have seen Indiana play in quite some time, really, even thinking back to last season. And listen, Kansas at Kansas is probably as tough of a game as Indiana's played in the last few years. But even thinking back to last season, you know, I would argue Indiana wasn't even as competitive as they were – in the 18 point loss at home to Michigan last January, um, you know, the 15 point loss at Michigan state last February, you know, other than maybe St. Mary's, you know, the, the NCAA tournament game against St. Mary's, which had a, a number of extenuating circumstances around fatigue and travel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, in a, in a one-off setting, this was as bad as Indiana's played in a long time. Yeah. I said, you know, I thought, the biggest concern out of that game against Kansas wasn't the fact that Indiana lost, but the way that it lost. You know, I think you could come out of there if you're an Indiana fan, if if Indiana loses by, you know, five, six, seven, and they play well, I think you can come out of there with, with a lot of positives. But the fact that Indiana just got pretty much wiped by Kansas, I think, um, you know, that that was the most concerning part to me and that, uh, you know, kind of some of the stretches we saw, especially really early against Arizona, where you're thinking, well, maybe that they just had a lapse to start the game. But now when you see that happen multiple times and that becomes more of a trend, um, you know, that's something that is not encouraging at all. And on top of that, uh, just the idea that Indiana wasn't ready to come out and play against Kansas. And, and I think what we've seen out of Mike Woodson's team at IU so far is that they at least have those intangibles of being able to fight and, um, you know, showing resilience and showing character. And to start the game, I mean, that, that was just absent. I, to me, that was really concerning, the fact that Indiana just, you're on the road at Kansas. The, it's a, I mean, the environment was great, electric the type of game that you probably dream about playing in and they just were flat footed. 
um, weren't ready to play at all. So, and and on top of everything that that came out of that game, we lose Xavier Johnson. Now we know that he is out indefinitely. Um, so, on top of the way the game went, you're now also staring at uh, a much more difficult path to winning a Big Ten title. And I'm guessing we'll get into this later. I think it's still possible for Indiana to win a Big Ten title. I think the chances are very slim now, given what we've seen and given Xavier Johnson out. I, I feel like, you know, Indiana's ceiling and its floor have both significantly dropped um, just with what we've seen and uh, with Xavier Johnson out. Yeah, I think um, we will talk a little bit more about point guard play kind of in a little bit, just wrapping into Jalen Shafino's performances as well since he returned. I think I think the thing that strikes me with, with Indiana as much as anything else is if this game had happened a year ago, I'm not saying it wouldn't have been frustrating for IU fans, but there would have been a lot of mitigation. You know, we would have looked at, at that team and said, first year under a new head coach, you know, roster still learning how to win. You know, Kansas at Kansas is a tough game. Indiana's just got to, you know, sort of dust itself off, learn from this and keep going. But I think this comes back to really, frankly, all three of Indiana's losses this season. Indiana had greater aspirations for itself this year. Um, and I think those aspirations, you know, despite some social media protests, um, I think those aspirations were were legitimate in a lot of ways. And, you know, Mike Woodson harped on the turnovers um, after Kansas, Indiana committed 23 of them, which is, is it's worth saying is, uh, is uncommon for, for, you know, Mike Woodson coached teams. Indiana has been typically pretty good with turnovers. I mean, Indiana hadn't had a turnover rate over 21.1% all season, only twice had they had a turnover rate over 20%. And then it was over 30% at Kansas, which is an incredibly high number. But what strikes me is then if you go to the Rutgers game, the issues are offensive rebounding and, you know, basically managing Rutgers two-point defense. Indiana was 11 of 31 on twos in that game. If you go to the Arizona game, offensive rebounding was a really big issue in that game, like a really, really big issue in that game. And and to some extent as well, managing Arizona's interior defense. Um, it just feels like we are, and, and this is, you know, I've, I've said this a couple times now in the last, you know, week or so, and, you know, sports writers don't like using these terms sometimes because it's hard to quantify. Um, it does feel like we're looking at a team that is still grappling with essentially what it takes to win, not necessarily at a level that'll get them into the NCAA tournament, maybe even get them above 500 in Big Ten play, but to win at the level that they aspire to win at in terms of when you talk about the slow starts, when you talk about, you know, just consistency in your performances, because what strikes me is you kind of had you know, different factors in each of your losses, Rutgers, Kansas, Arizona, there was a little bit of crossover, you know, so some stuff kind of bled into other, uh, other performances, but the one consistent sort of theme in all of it was it just felt like Indiana's not, Indiana doesn't quite understand how to take itself to that level for 40 minutes when it's not, you know, UNC at home, when it's not Purdue, when it's not do or die at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in the Big Ten tournament, got to win or go home. Indiana is still figuring out essentially just the consistency piece of all this. And 
Um, Kansas was particularly bad. And, and I think that, you know, the Xavier Johnson injury probably hurt in terms of maybe Indiana's ability to kind of dig in and fight back in that game the way we saw them against Arizona. Um, but, you know, if you, you in, in any sport, when you talk to talent evaluators and things like that, they'll, they'll tell you that the thing that separates good players, good teams from great players and great teams isn't talent as often as it's consistency. It's not the idea, can you do this? thing that almost no one else can do it's can you do it nine times out of 10 19 times out of 20 29 times out of 30 and I think in the same way that we kind of had to remind ourselves at times last year this is this was a group that had never been to the NCAA tournament they were figuring out what it took to get there this is a group that wants to be at that you know Kansas level that Arizona level at or near the top of the Big Ten but it doesn't really know how and I think and I'm not saying listen I'm I'm not guaranteeing anybody they're going to get there but I do think what we're witnessing a little bit here in real time, some of it is exposing some of Indiana's weaknesses, undeniably. Some of it also feels like, um, you know, to to a great extent, kind of Indiana going through some some very tangible growing pains as it tries to go from being a team that for five or six years just wanted to make the tournament, you know, just wanted to, to find its way back to being good enough to get into the field and not feel like it was fighting uphill just to do that trying to graduate from that to genuinely contending for big 10 titles for, you know, setting itself up for a deep NCAA tournament run, all those kinds of things. The growing pains I think are are very real. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying it's going to result in something better for Indiana, but I think that's a little bit of what they're going through right now. That was one of my hesitations entering the season with, with how high the expectations were, is that no one on this roster pretty much has, won at a really high level in college there's guys that have you know you look at Malik Renu and Jalen Hochefino coming from programs like Montverde um, who who have experienced lots of success at at the high school level Tamar Bates from IMG Academy Um, but none of the guys you know even bringing in guys like Miller Cop and Xavier Johnson um, who who are now in their second season at Indiana their former schools uh, Miller at Northwestern and, and Xavier Johnson at Pitt, um, they didn't they didn't uh, experience team success at a high level, and um, you know so I I think that's just something that Indiana is going to have to get over. And one of the other things you know I I've said before is that if Indiana wants to be different this season, they've got to do things that they didn't do in the past, and that means. Coming off a game against North Carolina, a big win, not having a letdown against Rutgers, and they did. Being able to win on the road uh, against Rutgers, which they weren't able to do. Being able to win on the road against Kansas, at least put up a good fight, which they weren't able to do. Um, you know, it, the 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 them having letdowns after big games is something that, when you talk about that consistency piece, is something that they've not been able to do. And if you want to win a Big Ten title, you have to be at a pretty high level of consistency and kind of going off that. I'm not sure right now if we know what Indiana's identity is. Uh, you know, I, I think defense, it it wants to be defense. That's what it was last year. But we've also seen kind of slip-ups defensively where I'm not sure if you can say, hey, no matter what our offense does, our defense is going to keep us in the game. Because you look at the Arizona game, and, and Arizona is a really good offense, but Indiana was got exposed pretty badly against them. 
and even against Elon, you know, Mike Woodson was talking about some slip-ups they had uh, defensively. So I'm not sure if it's like no matter the circumstances, no matter what, you know, your offense is doing, that you can always rely on this one thing like it was defense last year. Defense is what kept them in pretty much every game, it seemed like. Um, this season, you know, I think defense can be that. I just don't think it's there yet. I, I, you know, this might go back to the idea of them trying to figure out how to be a high level team. They're trying to figure, you know, they're trying to figure out what they can rely on on a consistent basis. Because right now, it seems like it's kind of going back and forth between their offense will carry them, or you know. Their, well, their I think defense. it. I mean, this gets back to the consistency piece in terms of just sort of. I mean, listen, in the aggregate, Indiana was the best defensive team in the Big Ten last year. And that wasn't just overall that was in Big Ten play. That doesn't mean they weren't bad defensively sometimes. They were bad against Michigan. They were bad at home against Illinois. Um, They were bad, especially late against Ohio State. They were bad in a win at Minnesota. They were bad in the loss at Syracuse. Um, But the consistency is, you know, that there were games like Michigan, for example, where it almost sort of felt like once the game got to a certain level, and I, and I thought this was something Indiana deserved credit for, for a little bit from Rutgers and certainly Arizona. Once the game got to a certain level, they just didn't compete anymore, and they just sort of they just sort of punched the clock and 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 said we'll get them next time. Um, it felt again Arizona in particular falling behind by nineteen. You know you, you can't do that. But the flip side is they 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 made several runs in the second half at getting it closer. You know, what concerns you a little bit about Kansas is there was never even that fight. They got it to 10 once, but there was never really that moment when you thought, hey, maybe Indiana's getting back in here. And again, a good team, even a good defensive team, can still have some bad performances if you're going to settle for 11 and 9 in the Big Ten, if you're going to settle for somewhere between a six seed and an eight seed, make the tournament, not a lot of expectations, whatever. This team expected more of itself. And to go back to your point about, you know, doubts about this team in the in the preseason, listen, I, I've gotten a lot of, like, pushback. And I know it's largely just fan frustration. I understand where it comes from. But a lot of pushback about, oh, people set the bar too high for this team. Even when the media was picking this team as a top 15 team, which it absolutely was based on talent and returning production, and even when the media was picking this team as a, as a preseason Big Ten favorite, we were saying, but we still have questions. And one of the big ones, <clears throat> there were some schematic ones like three-point shooting, which actually, you know, in in a in the strange way that this works, has not been terrible. Indiana's 72nd in the country and in, in team average and three-point shooting. And they've by and large started taking more of them as well. Their their per game average has actually gone up the last couple couple weeks. Um but in the wider sense, one of the things we said was, is this team prepared to do everything? that it did well a year ago, plus more and more often because it can't afford, everyone's allowed a bad loss somewhere in there, but it can't afford to have, you know, five no-shows in conference play if it wants to win a Big Ten title. It can if it just wants to finish 500, but it can't if it wants to win the Big Ten. It can't if it wants to be the kind of team that builds itself into a contender in March. And so, again, I understand why maybe in, in, the, in the frustration people think, oh, well, everybody set the bar too high for this team. Even when we were setting that bar, we had doubts. We had questions. And ultimately, a lot of those, I think, have not just not been answered yet. 
And what you hoped was, especially after winning Xavier the way they wanted, winning North Carolina the way they wanted, you hoped maybe at least one of Arizona or Kansas, if not a win, would be the sort of game that would would sort of say Indiana belongs here. This is the stage Indiana belongs on, playing this team in this moment, you know, with this kind of crowd and atmosphere and, and TV, you know, TV market and all that kind of stuff. And that's what they've not matched. And to be clear, listen, I said this to you after the game. I, I've seen Indiana lose to Duke by 20 and win the Big Ten. I've seen Indiana beat Kansas and North Carolina in November, albeit while losing to Purdue-Fort Wayne and lose in the first round of the NIT. There's a lot of basketball to be played. Indiana can still achieve some of this. I've seen Indiana lose James Blackman Jr. to a torn ACL the same year they lost to Duke by 20 and still win the Big Ten. So I wouldn't even necessarily rule Indiana out as getting better as the season goes along just because Xavier Johnson's hurt. But the point is, you felt like you were getting some of those questions answered about Indiana that you were talking about, some of them tangible, some of them more about the intangibles after North Carolina after Xavier, et cetera. Now, you know, three losses in their last four games and the nature of those losses, it feels like it's raised those doubts again. And, and my question with without Xavier Johnson, um, a, as much as you're losing that tangible ability, you know, his, his ability, we've seen his ability to carry an offense. We've seen what, you know, he's been a really good, uh, really good defender. A, as much as you're losing that, um, just as intangibles, and, and I know that he's taken heat for showing too much emotion and, you know, maybe letting his emotions get the best of him. But it seemed like, if anything, you could count on him being that sort of emotional leader. And if Indiana was down, you know, you could tell that he was pretty demonstrative in, in, in how he was feeling, you know, it seemed like. And um, who, who can step up and kind of, help fill that void of hey if you know if if you're down against a team like Arizona and and you need to show fight back who can uh you know who who can step up and help fill that void um on the court you know because you know I think to your point I think you made a good point about how much of not showing that fight against Kansas was the fact that he was out and um I think that's really valid so if you get in these positions again you know who can be that really um I guess kind of emotional heartbeat of the of the team, and I think Tamar Bates has made a good case. You know, I think he even even being a young younger guy, um, we've seen great leadership out of him. Uh, we've seen moments where Trace Jackson Davis is more demonstrative, but there's also lots of moments where uh, you know he he doesn't show his emotion uh, as much emotion. I think that's just kind of his nature. But um, you know, as much as we look at Xavier Johnson, what what Indian is losing from his skill set, you know, I'm also kind of interested to see how just that emotion on the floor, that passion, if anything, there was, you know, it seemed like there was that passion. Who, you know, who else can step in and give it? I think Miller Cop's another guy that, you know, when you talk about Indiana shooting well from three, he he's been really impressive just in the way in the jumps he's made from last season. Um the way he's shooting the basketball, you know. He 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 was a big reason Indiana was even in the Rutgers game. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm interested to see kind of moving forward how Indiana deals with not only the the skill set loss of Xavier Johnson, but also just how collectively um, th- that energy and in, in, in kind of emotion is filled. I, I do think that's a good segue into <clears throat> excuse me, um, Jalen Huchafino. And, and again, if if I'm 
if Indiana fans want the glass half full, sort of, you know, whatever, and, and maybe they don't, I don't know. Um, that 2016 season, you know, Indiana had kind of put things a little bit back on track. Then James Blackman Jr. tore his ACL. And what that really did was it it kind of crystallized roles for a lot of people. You know, it, it I think it woke a lot of players up to say, if if I don't do it, it's not getting done. I can't just count on somebody else to hit four threes tonight. I can't count on somebody else to make up the scoring gap. We've got to defend better because we can't count on his 17 points a game anymore. Um, it just, it, it, it may, it sharpened everybody up essentially. And I think the, certainly the, the first player, or the foremost player, if you're Indiana, you hope uh, all of this kind of sharpens up, uh, is Jalen Huchifino. Um, he had 11 points against Kansas. Again, I, I kind of criticized him a little bit earlier. He was only two of 11 from the floor. Uh, on the other hand, he did shoot five of six in the free throw line. He had six rebounds, four assists, three steals. Um, to go with the five turnovers, he's had 10 turnovers in his last two games. But on the flip side, he also had 17 points, hit a couple threes, seven assists, a couple more steals against Elon. Um, he's not the only one you mentioned Bates. And I think Bates has got to keep coming along. Trey Galloway is clearly going to have to embrace more of a point guard's role, which we've seen him do at times, but probably not for as extended of a period as Indiana is going to need him to now. Um, you know, race Thompson's got to play better. Jordan Geronimo missed the Elon game because of a dislocated finger, but, you know, Indiana's got to get more out of him. Um, but it, it does feel like a lot of this is going to start with basically just how comfortable Jalen hood Shafino can get kind of steering the ship. And, and it, it's, you know, is I mean, his stat line makes for interesting reading. Um, the, the turnovers have got to come down. On the other hand, the assist rate is outstanding for a freshman. Um, the, the rebounding numbers are outstanding from a guard. You know, he's 10 of 28 from three, which is only 35.7%. If you actually go back through his uh through his 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 season to date, um, he did not shoot a three in Indiana's first game. He, and then he went 0 of 5 in Indiana's second game. Since then he's 10 of 23, which is good for close to 44%. So he's 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 basically about a 40% three-point shooter over the the the, the you know, sort of the, the lion stretch of this season to this point. On the other hand, he's had this back issue that held him back. That's, that's, you know, it's resolved enough that he's played the last two games, but you know, a back is always one of those things you're worried. Does it flare up? Does Indiana have to manage it more? Um, there are, I agree with you on Bates and, and, you know, Jackson Davis, et cetera, but it does feel like a, a lot of this season is now going to be predicated on just how good Jalen hood Shafino can be as not just a point guard, but kind of a, a bit of a do-everything player. Um, and I thought, and I tweeted this after or during the game, after the game, I thought the two most important, I thought the two players Indiana needed to have confidence-boosting performances most against Elon, which was maybe an otherwise, as you said, underwhelming performance, particularly defensively, um, were Jalen Huchifino and CJ Gunn. Gunn, 11 points on 5 of 10 shooting with three assists. And then Huchifino, again, 17.7 assists, five turnovers, couple made threes. Indiana just needs a couple of these guys to feel better about themselves going into the new year because it's going to need them to embrace bigger roles. And I think Jalen Huchifino is is top of that list. I, I think you could couple uh, Jalen Huchifino and, and Malik Renew together in this, but um, I think after the exhibition games, um, you know, er, early in the season, you you would have been surprised um, to hear that that they were struggling a little bit, and and I know Jalen Huchifino has been 
you know, has, has dealt with that back injury. But, um, you know, I think Malik Renu too, is that, you know, the way, the way that he has struggled and, and we've seen them both kind of deal with just what you would normally expect out of a freshman, but they both showed glimpses that they could be a guy that, you know, freshmen that are instant impact and that kind of don't look like freshmen. And I think there's moments where they haven't looked like freshmen. And I think there's moments where they have looked like freshmen. So um, I think it's just about Jalen. I mean, he has all the, um, you know, all the length, all the skills, all the talent. I think it's just about, we've kind of seen him during the season um, deal with the growing pains, deal, deal with, just adjusting to the college game. So, you know, it seems like sometimes he tries to do a little bit too much with passes, and I think that might lead to some turnovers. Um, but, I, I, you know, the flashes are there, and I think this kind of goes back to the idea of just it being more consistent, that um, you need him to be more consistent, uh, to be a little bit more sound in his decision-making um, because he has, he has everything that you would want at, you know, out of a out of a dominant point guard so um you know i think in one of the ripple effects that i think kind of goes overlooked with with either xavier johnson or jalen huchafino being out is that you have trey galloway starting and that means trey galloway can't come off the bench which i think is a huge spark so that means instead of you know bringing tamar bates and trey galloway off the bench at the same time now you now trey galloway is starting and that puts him I don't I don't know if it's a different role but you just don't I just think Trey Galloway off the off the bench is just is such a luxury to have and now you don't have that so now it's not just the fact that one of your point guards is out but it's also that you don't have as much depth coming off the bench um but no I think you know I I think everything is there for Jalen Hutchinson you know I think it's a it's a matter of of him just being more consistent Making making better decisions a little bit more of the time, maybe not forcing a shot here or there. Um, also, thought it was pretty cool just speaking to his leadership that uh, he got headphones for uh, for the team, um, and uh, you know that 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 I think kind of just spoke to you know he's he's a very mature kid from from what I've talked to him, from what I've talked to his mom, really mature. You know, I think if there's someone that is able to kind of deal with the ups and downs of of the freshman season, you know he. He certainly has the tools to do that. has has the mental bandwidth and instability to do that f- from everything that I've you know I've collected. So um, you know I think that in my opinion we'll continue to see him grow as the season goes on. I think the other guy I did want to touch on is CJ Gunn um, because you know whether it's whether Jay Galloway stays in the starting lineup whether there's an argument for Tamar Bates um and, and I think we should be talking a little bit more about Tamar Bates I mean he's you know um I'm just looking at his last four games um 32 40 45 points in four games um he's hit nine threes in those four games he's done some better rebounding work etc um but <clears throat> whoever steps into on a per night basis the 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 minutes that Xavier Johnson leads behind as a starter, it does seem like CJ Gunn is kind of next man up off the bench. Um, he did not play against North Carolina. He did not play really almost at all in the North Carolina Rutgers, Nebraska, Arizona, Kansas stretch. He saw some some garbage time minutes 
um, in a few of those games. But he plays 19 minutes against Elon, 11 points on 5 of 10 shooting, um, three rebounds, three assists, two steals. I think we've both liked Gunn's sort of makeup. He's not afraid to shoot. He doesn't look bothered by, you know, I mean, he's only 2 of 15 from three, so let's not make him out to be some some sniper yet. But I think you can see the, the quality in the form of his shot. I think you can see his confidence, his score, um, and – it's only Elon, but if you are going to be without Xavier Johnson for at least a few weeks here, possibly you know, possibly months, not weeks, and I think that's definitely on the table, then you, there are going to be at least some nights where you need C.J. Gunn to go in and make some impact plays for you. I think he's gotten better defensively already. I think he's understood how his energy can affect his his uh, his defense, and Indiana just kind of needs him to keep progressing because it does, you know. It does feel like this team's at its best when it's going about nine deep and particularly when it's refreshing that backcourt pretty consistently. Without Xavier Johnson, you need a guy like Jalen Hershefino to step up. You need Tamar Bates to embrace a, a little bit more and all that. But you also need, you know, again, going back to that, if you're looking for the if you're looking for marker points that maybe turn this season into parallels to 2016. One of the big ones for Indiana was that OG Ananobi really did not play the first month and a half of that season. And then he got a little bit more run around New Year's and he had uh, a couple really good games going back to they, they beat Rutgers at Rutgers. Didn't play very well, but he had eight points off the bench, eight points and seven rebounds off the bench. He had another pretty good game at Nebraska a couple nights later. And so suddenly then you had a piece coming off the bench to make up for some of what you were missing uh, with James Blackman Jr. out, not necessarily a direct replacement. Obviously, the different players, different skill sets, but you had somebody step into a role that maybe you wouldn't have expected to need them to embrace, and they did it really well. It feels like CJ Gunn, maybe to some extent Logan Duncan, but I think that when Jordan Geronimo was healthy, it's you know that 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 front court rotation stays kind of tied at four. It feels like CJ Gunn's maybe that player. Yeah, we've seen these flashes from CJ Gunn, um, you know, whether it be the Elon game most recently or, or you look back to Miami, Ohio, um, when when he he made what, you know, I would call winning plays. But my question is, is Mike Woodson going to trust him in big time games? You know, we've seen him play in some of these, uh, you know, against lower tier competition and and perform pretty well. And, and show flashes that I think certainly makes the case for him to get more playing time. But my question is, will Mike Woodson trust him in the in Big Ten play? Will he trust him uh, coming up later against Iowa, against Northwestern? Um, has he done enough to gain that trust from Mike Woodson to where he can get thrown in into a you know a bigger a bigger situation? So. Um, to me, I mean, I, I think he's definitely shown enough. You know, his, we've talked about it, his jump shot. I mean, his jump shot just was really pure. Like, it's it's really nice to look at. And, um, you know, I, I I said this during – or I tweeted this during the um, Elon game, and, and it might be a little premature, but that I think next season he's, he could be a breakout candidate just, just from what we've seen uh, so far this season and that, you know, you would hope that he would make a jump into his sophomore season. But – I like the energy he brings. I like uh, the hustle. He, I think he played pretty well defensively against Elon. Um, 
I don't really see much downside in at least giving him a try in some of the bigger games. I think if anything, you put him out there for a few minutes and see if he can help turn some energy around, hit a three, because he has that skill set to where that sort of three and D skill set that you can look at and be like, that can really make an impact off the bench where if Indiana needs a spark, um, you know, scoring off the bench, he could, you know, potentially hit it a three. You know, you, you mentioned his, uh, you know, he hasn't been shooting great from, from deep this season, but he has the potential to do so. And if he can start to get in a rhythm, you know, I think um, he can be sort of that wild card X factor that maybe some people didn't really see as him being an instant impact this season as more of a long-term thing. I think we're seeing maybe more of that short-term impact come to fruition where I think that long-term impact has been there and is still there. Kind of just wrapping this up, um, I, I guess a, just a, a little bit of admin. Um, my understanding is Indiana is very likely to play Kennesaw State tomorrow night. Um, I know some other games have been moved around. I think a couple were even called off. Um, Kennesaw State will should not have any trouble getting to Bloomington if they're not here already. And we're talking at about 1136 in the morning. Um, not about 1136. It is 1136. Um they are expected here before the worst of the winter storm hits. The biggest concern is typically getting the opposing team into town. Um, you know, they may have some some difficulty traveling out. I don't know. Obviously, it may not be a great crowd. I know in the past when Indiana has been in these situations, they've done stuff like basically just turn the doors open to the community and say anybody that wants to come, there's a, there's a seat for you because we know so few are going to travel in. And I don't think anybody wants to encourage anybody to travel in bad weather. Um, but the game is expected to be played. Ken Palm has Indiana as a 19 point favorite. I only mentioned that because of what happened to Iowa yesterday. You, you still got to be on your toes with games like this. Apparently, uh, Fran, what happened? Um, let's assume Indiana wins this game. However, they win it. They'll be 10 and three going into, uh, the new year. They will be, I would say, you know, I think a, Probably about down the middle, reasonable scenario. They went two and two in the big non-conference games. They went one and one in conference play. Obviously, we can pick the bones out of the good and the bad of, of the individual performances within those games. But Indiana, I think, will at least have given itself a platform to make a run. Uh, I don't want to say to make a run, but to try and push for positioning to, to maybe be a Big Ten contender. They got a tough start. Um, they, have, they have a tough schedule overall, though. Uh, They're going to start pretty difficult at Iowa, Northwestern at home, at Penn State, which, by the way, Penn State's 31 in Ken Palm right now, so don't overlook them. Uh, Wisconsin at home, at Illinois, Michigan State at home. That's their first six coming back into conference play. Um, They've given themselves this platform. They're going to have an extended break to get healthy, to – really maybe do a little soul searching around what went wrong and some of those ugly losses. Um, if this is, I want to call it a turnaround because it's not like they're, it's not like they've bombed the season so far, but if, if this team does have a level that it can go up and it believes it does, it does feel like this is this, this, this time period between the end of the Kennesaw state game and Iowa in Iowa city on, on January 5th is going to be when they go behind the curtain, make those changes tweak the formula and take that step. Otherwise it's kind of hard to see it happening in real time. Once the season begins again, you got about two minutes, fire it off, baby. 
Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think, I I think Indiana still can win the Big Ten. I like I said before, I just think that the road has now become a little bit more complicated. But I I think what Indiana has to do, which it it, it hasn't done the last few seasons, is you want to see the growth throughout the regular season. Like you want to be able to look at is India like in in a month is Indiana a better team than it is when we're talking right now because the last few seasons that hasn't happened if you go to last season you can say yes they definitely grew in the postseason in the Big Ten tournament but I don't know if you could necessarily say during the regular season Indiana significantly grew as a team from month to month I think Indiana has to you have to be able to look at can they grow? Can you look at them being a better team uh, in January than they were in December? Can you look at them being a better team in February uh, than they were in January, et cetera? Um, I just think being able to see that growth over the course of the season, of the regular season, is 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 basically going to determine whether Indiana you know, can win a Big Ten uh, title or not. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners for December 22nd, 2022. He's Tyler Tackman. I'm Zach Osterman for the Bloomington Herald Times, for the Indianapolis Star. Uh, have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays. I hope it's restful. I hope it's enjoyable. I hope you eat more than you should. And we will talk to you in the new year. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.